Welcome to AM Best Audio. I'm John Weber for AM Best Audio. It's been one year since Hurricane Ian. Let's take a look back at the impacts from this event, some of the notable results from the damage survey conducted by engineers, and what was learned about cat- catastrophic hurricanes. I'm speaking today to Karthik Ramanathan. Vice President and Principal Engineer in the Research and Modeling Group on the Extreme Event Solutions Team at Verisk, and Steve Clark, Government Relations at Verisk. And Steve, let's start with you today. Hurricane Ian was Florida's deadliest hurricane since 1935. Take us back to this event. What made Ian as catastrophic as it was? Well, John, I think one of the things that that we've seen generally is the increase in population uh, in in certain areas. And when you look at 1935 as one of the deadliest, you didn't have the concentration of buildings um, that you do today. You know, now you've got the density in some of these areas. There's been tremendous development along the coast. Uh, and as as Ian came ashore as one of the costliest catastrophes um, to date with with losses uh, approaching $50 billion. Uh, a lot of it had to do with um, the, the, the density uh, of, of the, the people, the businesses, things of that nature. Karthik, what observations and lessons did you take away from your survey of impacted areas? Uh, first of all, really nice to meet you, John. Nice to, you know, thanks, thanks for including us to be a part of this panel here today. Um, you know, every every hurricane event, we approach it almost at Verisk in the sense of it being a natural laboratory. One is we, we use the opportunity to learn new insights. But as we build our extreme event models, we also use the opportunity to test some of the modeling assumptions that we make uh, and assess the, the robustness of some of those assumptions, if you will. In terms of our opportunities and learnings, they were they were plentiful. And I want to start off with the good news. One is buildings that were built according to the Florida Building Code. And just a reminder for you and our audience, Florida Building Code, the very first edition, went into effect in 2002. And then roughly every three years, it has gone through an update paradigm. Um, in majority of the cases, it has gone to to be to to help build and um, redesign structures that can better mitigate wind speeds. And we saw examples of those in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. So residential commercial buildings that were built to the Florida Building Code versions or later, they suffered minimal observable damage uh, and also structural damage from either wind or storm surge. However, when it comes to the not-so-good performance or areas where we have improvement, those were also plentiful. We saw a lot of evidences for roof cover damage, even though Hurricane Ian produced wind speeds that were below the design levels in, in a wide majority of the areas where it impacted. Newer roofs that were installed generally within the last five or 10 years, they performed well, but older roof covers we saw that you know they showed significant amount of vulnerability when it comes to when it comes to wind cladding systems so th- th- this is essentially the way to visualize cladding as the skin of the buildings um, and again these systems especially on older structures that were built before the florida building code they failed at nearly twice the rate as let's say cladding systems that were installed on newer built buildings or buildings that were built according to the florida building code um, 
the what we call as breakaway walls in general in structures they performed well there were some cases where there was partial failure we time and again saw that buildings that were founded on slab foundations do not do well when it comes to storm surge and probably john you would remember all those devastation devastating images that you saw in coastal parts uh, where you know entire communities and neighborhoods were washed away because buildings that were founded on slab fo- footings just got totaled completely it got moved away from where the uh, where the structure was originally located um and then w- one thing that was kind of surprising to me as a structural engineer because if you look at the the devastating 2004 and 2005 hurricane seasons which is roughly 20 years ago today in the aftermath of those we saw a lot of damage to screen enclosures you know people in florida love pools in their backyard and they tend to cover these pools with screened enclosures and in the aftermath of the 2004 2005 season we saw significant amount of damage to those and it almost feels like nothing has changed in the last 20 years when you look at these same structures we saw again widespread destruction to pool enclosures what is more prevalent now when compared to back then was rooftop solar panels again a lot of rooftop solar systems sunrooms were damaged even though the wind speeds were relatively low in some of the areas in which these were installed so hopefully that's a good snapshot i can keep going on and on about this but hopefully that <laughs> the characterize the the spectrum out there in terms of damage we saw it certainly did and and steve we all love to live in scenic areas especially at the beach how is this trend impacting the industry Well, I think one of the things you have to look at is the concentration of of catastrophic exposures. Um over 40% of the population lives in a coastal county. And with that uh population comes density of buildings in a in a very highly uh exposed area. And and you see the same thing happening in in for example in California with the Wadland urban interface. when you have increasing costs for real estate in in some of the more developed areas people either a like living out there because it's beautiful or are almost forced to live out there because it's a little bit more affordable and that kind of presents a a conflict between the exposure that the industry is asked to to cover um and the ability to charge an appropriate premium uh to to cover that that exposure So as more and more people concentrate in these catastrophe exposed areas there does become additional pressure on the industry to try and find solutions to try and cover them appropriately. Uh we've seen some of that in some of the coastal states with the adoption of IBHS roof standards to try and um provide an incentive in a way. for property owners to protect their their properties and and reduce um exposure to loss and we've seen that in California with the wildfire uh hazard mitigation rules that were adopted putting the responsibility on the on the property owner to try to take steps to mitigate the hazard does help the industry uh, address the risk in the in the short term Carthic, how does a small increase in exposure exponentially increase losses? Question, John. Uh, just going back to the the previous question, I think um, uh, Steve rightly pointed out. I think it's it's extremely dynamic, especially. I, I mean, here we are today talking about Hurricane Ian, 
And if you if you think about some of the population trends, especially in the area that was hardest hit by Hurricane Ian, you can almost say the population exploded uh, in that part. And mainly because it's one of the cheapest parts of Florida to live in. If you think about it, Jacksonville and Miami, um, especially Miami in the, the expensive sort of tri-county area of Florida is sort of saturated. But middle-class people, people that are moving to Florida, you know, post-retirement or trying to go there for a new livelihood are trying to stock, um, you know, more towards the western part of the states. And unfortunately, some of these areas were the ones that were hardest hit by Hurricane Ian. Um, so in, in some of these counties, the the percentage change, if you will, when it comes to uh, the exposure growth, especially if you look at Lee County or Collier County or Sarasota County or Charlotte County, and these are the areas that were the hardest hit by Hurricane Ian, the exposure growth has been more than 5,000%. That's a 5,000% increase when you compare some of these same areas to the last time when they were hit by a major hurricane, which would again be the 0405 season. So I think the, the built environment is very dynamic. And going to the question that you said, yeah, our own internal studies at Verisk has shown that, you know, uh, losses can, can multiply significantly and it can become the predominant cause, especially when you look at uh, portfolios and how the view of risk to portfolios would change. Um, especially if you do not assess their values in a in a in a good way again given the inflationary environment that we are all living through uh, it was kicked off by the the pandemic and then more recently the wildfires in canada and that is you know blowing all those smoke down towards the continental us again when it when it comes to the inflationary market the the causes that affect it seem to be extremely dynamic so it's more so important than ever for every insurance and reinsurance company out there to accurately value their portfolio because any small change in replacement values can compound to very big numbers when you look at you know claim values and the loss views uh, over even a decadal scale. Um, and you know uh, a plug here: we we do at Verisk have this advantage of giving you all those tools. To, to properly assess the value of your portfolios. So, you know, anytime you can come talk to us if you're interested in some such solutions. Steve, Ian's impact occurred in a turbulent Florida property market where even before the storm, roof claims figured prominently in a growing crisis of availability and affordability for insurance buyers. How have things evolved since that event? Yeah, the, the Florida legislature has not taken this sitting down. Um, one of the things I've heard yeah, Hurricane Irma uh, was the catastrophe that, that kept on giving. Because of the situation you explained, for several years, the number of claims that kept coming in around Irma made it almost a, an annual catastrophe for three years running. Well, I, I think the Florida legislature um, looked at the market, looked at what was happening, uh, and they've taken a lot of steps to try and introduce some reforms. Um, that should bring some stability to the marketplace. These include things such as uh, assignment of benefit reforms um, so that you know, the contractor wasn't, wasn't controlling the claim uh, quite as much, um, renewing the My Safe Florida Home program to try and encourage mitigation, new reinsurance programs, um, changes to the way roof underwriting uh, is handled and when, when total uh, roof claims uh, can, be, can be called. 
um, and, and just general tort reforms around the uh, fee multipliers that had been used. Um, it's not going to be an overnight change to the market. Uh, I think it's going to take some time for some of these changes to work their way through the system. But I do know that there is some um, positive reaction uh, and a hope that this will bring long-term, longer-term stability uh, to the Florida property marketplace. Steve Karthik, so glad you could join us today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, John. That was Karthik Ramanathan. Vice President and Principal Engineer in the Research and Modeling Group on the Extreme Event Solutions team at Verisk, and Steve Clark, Government Relations at Verisk. And I'm John Weber for I Am Best Audio. Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by calling AM Best Advertising Sales at 908-439-2200, extension 5399, and have a great day.